Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lau Times podcast. Um, got two guests tonight on the pod in the H, and coming back for another episode. Josue, how you doing, bro? Good. How are you? Doing well, man. Good to have you again. Thank you. I'm excited. And then we got from uh, DFW, Dennis in the house. What's up, bro? How we doing? Doing good. Just got back from uh, semi-late night at work and ready to talk all things Saturday and yeah. all things Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, dissected a little bit, huh? We had a really good uh, showing this past Saturday at Clásico Regio number 133. We were able to pull off a victory, a 3-0 victory over our rivals, the little penguins. Got them out of the way, you know, got our little revenge after the Messi Cup and a non-existent penalty kick that happened late in the game on an Aquino foul. But seems like uh, Aquino uh, got his got his game back and had an excellent performance. Um, it's kind of hard to uh, pinpoint who had uh, a great game. I think it was a well-rounded full squad performance that they came and they were locked in. They showed out. So uh, we'll start a little bit there with the lineup um, that we put out or Siboldi put out. We, I'm going to look at myself already making myself part of the coaching staff. Siboldi um, put out an, a lineup, you know, there was a doubt here and there who was going to be the winger, whether it was going to be Fulgencio or Linus, but we started off with uh, Nahuel Guzman, Aquino, Pizarro and Reyes surprisingly got the starting nod at center backs. And then we had Angulo out wide on the left back position. In the middle of the field, we had Nando Gorriaran with uh, Mr. Magician himself, Rafael Carioca. And then the real magician, by the way, not the fake one, all the way brought from Spain. And then out wide, we had Linus and Quinones with Cordoba and Gignac. And that was probably everybody's thoughts as to how they were going to line up in a 4-2-3-1. But the game showed differently. So we'll start there. Um, you know, what did you think of the initial lineup, Josue, when you first saw the, the, the players on the field, especially Linus getting that starting nod? I liked it. I knew right away that we were going to be more of an attacking team from the lineup and we would be pressuring from the get-go. Uh, it took us a little bit to get going, but once we did, we managed the, the rest of the game. And my only worry was I would have rather had Begone because he's a little bit more dynamic, I think, with the players that that were out there starting 11. But... Nonetheless, we did very good. I, I was really impressed by the tactical changes that Tiwoli did with that, um, within that first half because the first 20 minutes we were we were a little shaky. He gets that yellow card and the whole team just changes. We were dominated the first 20 minutes. It's okay to say, Josue, we were not playing very well. The, the Rayados had 68% possession to begin those first 20 minutes. And I think that Multiple people have pointed out um, that things change with that Nahuel saved on Maxi Mesa. But Dennis, I want to touch on that lineup and, and also the comment that uh, Josue made about the tactical changes that happened. Um, obviously, you know, we like I mentioned, we would expect that he would come out in a 4-2-3-1 with those players. But as the game progressed, especially with those first 20 minutes that Rayales was full on attack and, you know, dominating the possession, 
Siwaldi made some adjustments and switched to a back line of five. What did you think of that lineup switch with Siwaldi making that move and how the players adjusted with the players on the field? It was genius, honestly. Like, in possession, it, it turned into a 3-4-3 specifically. So, like, it allowed Aquino and Linus to to really shift up and kind of take the pressure off of Aquino defensively, which I thought really helped us a lot. Um, I, I want to go back to what Josue just said about, about Vigon. I, I, I honestly thought Vigon had a decent, like, shout to start as well. But I think looking back on it, like... I don't think he would have been able to do what Linus had done, like being able to like cover the entire left flank as well as he did. And like kind of essentially become another left back. Cause he, he, he like was that on Saturday and he's not known as a defensive like player at all. You know? And he was able to tuck in like, yeah. And moving forward. And that's something that like, I really enjoyed. And, you know, he had made, Somewhat, whenever he played for the national team against Qatar, he was, you know, playing closer to the middle and that more of that cam role. So when he was tucking in, you know, after that tactical move, I really enjoyed him. I I really thought that that was a, an eye opening for me as to how uh, Factor could be a, a a contribution to the squad. Yeah, and it allowed even like I also liked how Quinones and Cordova like also kind of tucked in too. Like Sebastian wasn't like for some moments of the game, like he was obviously in the middle, like playing as a number 10, like he's like very well at doing, but he was kind of drifting left a little bit at some points too. Um, him and Quinones both coming inside and then like sporadically going out wide as well. And I, I, I think it just confused like the Monterrey midfield and the defense. Like, I don't think they were ready for that, especially maybe looking back on the game in August they probably thought we were going to do something very similar and not even close to that at all. Um, and I think part of that too is because I think Reyes is a little bit more mobile. I think that's a big deal as to why this was able to work. Not not anything against Samir. I know Samir has had a, a rough, he's had a rough season, you know. Bro, just to, no, definitely something against Samir, Dennis. Let him have it. He has well, like, playing well. Well, what I'm saying is like he doesn't have the pace that Reyes does, right. especially right now. And especially since Samir got hurt last semester like he has not been the same pace wise and so I don't think this works if Samir's in the lineup I just don't like I, I think it would have had to have been a, a back four and I don't think it would have been as effective so because Reyes was able to fill in I think this was able to work out as well as it did um, and Reyes like played really well like for not having started for a few games I thought he did excellent I mean the one guy who was kind of a dub was Pizarro and even then he wasn't even that bad either you know what I mean he had some really good progressions up for up forward yeah. in the first half yeah. where he yeah. was able to like move up with the ball. And I was thinking about that, you know, when you mentioned Diego Reyes and how he, you know, with the pace in that back line of three, which I think we're going to see more often, especially if, if it worked against a team like Rayados, who has, you know, quite a bit of talent up, up top, you know, and obviously they don't have a forward at the moment, but I think that, you know, maybe uh, against some of the better teams, maybe even when we play against America as well, that's something that we can probably use. And one of the things that I was thinking is like, you know, just because I still rate Samir, um, even though I'm not very happy with his recent performances, I think that I still rate him high, you know, as, as a as a top defender for us, even with the bad form. And I was thinking who would play in that back line of three. And I still think that you know, Pizarro, Reyes, and Angulo is still the, the, the choice selection there as far as the three center backs. 
Yeah, especially with with the setup of like controlling possession, like and having those three stay in the back and allowing Aquino and whoever, because we know the the left wing spot will change pretty much from game to game at this point, unless somebody knock locks it down. To be able to like have them like go up and down and give them that little bit of like pressure off of the defensively, I, I think it only works with those three. I honestly would it be surprised if he rolls this out again on Wednesday because you think about LAFC's front line with Bowanga and Vela and the guy that just signed and their backup spring like pretty decent. I know we'll talk about that later, but um, I think that's something that should not be ruled out in the game plan as far as what happens in two nights. Right. Josue, what did you think of, uh, you know, the first goal comes in and it's almost an identical play from, uh, you know, the classical um against Rayados at their house in the semifinals across, you know, this time obviously was Cordoba who set the assist for Gignac, but similar play as to um, Quinones had, you know, when Cordoba was able to score the goal. What was your reaction there as far as, you know, Gignac, you know, tying the record at that point of Bahia and, you know, for most goals in the Clásico? It was exciting. Um, you could see that cross a mile away. He had all the time in the world. He had the space. And you knew where that ball was going. It was going to Gignac, and he barely taps it in enough to get that goal under his name. But I think if he touched it or not, that ball was going in. So, yeah, you think regardless it was going in, whether he touched it or not? Yeah, I think so. Because if you look at it, he barely touches that ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously on that angle, you can see that he touches it. <clears throat> I'm just, you know, what if that trajectory, like, you know, would have, uh, what's his name? The goalie, Andrada, would have stopped it, you know, because it would have been a, a much easier ball to attack. I'm not sure, but nonetheless, it was a, it was a great goal to uh, set the tone because as we were mentioning, the first 20 minutes was all rayados, you know, that what came in the what the 27th minute, 28th minutes, once they started getting a little bit more comfortable on the field and we immediately scored after we get comfortable. So I think that it was a much needed goal that allowed theaters to settle the rest of the half and go into the half with the momentum, the fans, you know, obviously the emotional aspect of having Gignac tying the record there. Uh, so I think it was much needed and, and, you know, I think it worked out to end the half. Yeah. You know, when, when Gignac scores and, what it means to the club, what what he did at the moment, it was going to be a a momentum shifter, and that's exactly what happened. Absolutely. So, um, then we get into the second half, and you know, obviously, Tigres still has a lot of the, I guess, man, the control of the game because you know I was looking at some of the stats um, for the game and. You know, they actually ended up having more possession than we did. They ended up with 53% possession. But I think that that was mainly due to the first 20 minutes where they just completely dominated the possession. But as the game got, you know, obviously ending the first half and the second half got a lot more going. And even towards the end, you know, we gave them the ball. We were more chasing around once the all three subs came in. But Tigres looked a lot more in control. They looked a lot more comfortable. They they You, you can see that they were going to score – a goal based on the comfortability aspect, the security that the players were giving off. Um, and then came the uh, penalty kick, which, you know, we, for the most part, I mean, I can't remember a thought in my head that I remember that, 
Gignac might miss a penalty kick. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I feel like that's a lock every time he, he gets the ball to shoot a PK. So, Dennis, walk me through as, you know, the foul gets committed on that uh, Govea push to Cordova. And, you know, we he walk pushed. into the penalty. Push. push. That's a tackle. So, tackle. <laughs> Straight hug, up. Bear Govea, hug. Govea thought that he was playing the NFL game that they played at the Estadio Azteca. That's what he thought of in the moment. And that should have been his second yellow card, and he should have been removed from the game. I still do not understand how the referee did not think that, oh, he should get a, another yellow. Like, come on. The referee was really bad all night. Both yeah. sides, to be honest. On both sides, yeah. Yeah, just really, really bad. Too too inconsistent. Um, more favorable for us, I will admit, but bad on both sides. Um, I mean, you just knew. You just knew that it was going to happen. You knew. Honestly, I knew that Andre was going to have a great night with the little headband that he had on. It, the new look, <laughs> the swagger that he just had. Like, you just knew that he was in for it. Like, that he was up for the moment. He knew that he could, like, break the record, like, in a Clasico, like, having the most goals in, in the Clasico Rojo Montaño, and to, like, be able to redeem himself after a pretty poor showing against Rayados last time where, like, I mean, he didn't get enough service to the ball, I felt like, in August, but he also didn't take advantage of his opportunities, the very little ones that he had. So for him to, you know, have that moment where it was pretty much on lock, like you said, to, you know, score that penalty was was really great. And then after that, like you just kind of knew it was over for the most part. And then to see Tan Ortiz be like, Oh, it's over. We're taking out the Catito and, and Canales, which was like shocking to me that he took them out. Like absolutely. I know they were bad, but shocking to me that he took them out that early in the game. Like man, you don't take, you don't take your best players out. Yeah. Right. I, man, I wish Lou was here. I, I wanted to dissect and get a little bit more of a Lou's opinion on that because he gave up the game at that point, man. Like, you know, being down 2-0, I get it. Like, you know, we we looked more comfortable. We we were at home. Most likely we were going to win that match regardless. But taking them out and, you know, it's just especially giving playing time to some players like Funes Mori who was coming back from an injury. And then, you know, it was stupid, like, to take out Sergio Canales and then bring in Ponchito Gonzalez, who during the, the broadcast they said hadn't played since May. And you give this guy playing time, similar position to Canales, like it just didn't make sense to me. Um, but obviously, it was a lot. It, it favored us in, in terms of uh, you know the weapons that they could have on, on the field. But obviously, at that point, where it's two zero, everything's going our way. Um, the fans, I mean, were incredible, sold out stadium. You know, shout out uh, Jenny who won the contest of Tigres uh, to you know fly her out there, and then Ed Edgar who made the trip. You know, drove down. And spend some days in Monterrey. I, I I can't wait to hear from them. You know, to to see and hear everything that they were able to capture through you know their moments on their phones or anything, because the crowd was spectacular. There was a lot of times where the fans were a lot louder than you know the broadcast. And I, I wish the broadcast was a lot more homey and in, in the U.S. in terms of uh you know feeling that vibe and like vibing with the stadium and like you know Paco Villa made some comments here and there, but. You know, if it was Tonyonelli and Aldo Farias who are more local product to really, you know, give the fans that moment of like loudness and just supporting throughout the game was it would have been incredible. So um, then comes in Factor Linus finally scoring and shutting me off. Finally. Yeah. 
but on a beautiful play by Luis Quinones, who, man, <laughs> the guy, man, man we, maybe we're, we're, not, we're never so happy with all his numbers and his pr- productivity and, like, all the offsides that he commits, but the man continues to show that he's still there and he's still our, our most dangerous threat on the ball. He he's he's had a sneaky good year, and honestly, he's been a massive improvement under Sivoldi. Like Sivoldi has made him better. He was not good. I mean, looking back on the Chima days last year or early this year, and the two games of Coca, like he did not, uh, he did not do well. So for him to be able to do what he's been able to do uh, under Sivoldi has been pretty great. Josue, what were your thoughts on, on that factor goal? Hey, I want to give a shout out to Guignac because did you see how he completely let the ball go? He didn't even try to make an effort. And when I seen that, I was like, that's not like him. I think it, that was something they practiced because he drew that, um, that defense with him. And that ball just went right, right by him. And I was like, what's he doing? He didn't even attack the ball. The next thing you know, comes Linus and sneaks one in. I think he was intent I, intending to like half be going, have that coming in like behind him. Yeah, because be going always likes to get in, like you said, like right behind him, like a false nine. Yeah, but Factor was there, and Andrada was so thrown off; he was way out of position. Dude, he was frozen. He froze him so hard. Yeah, Bro. he didn't even know what was coming. When I saw that ball, like, get all the way to the left side, I, like, excuse my damn language, but I shit you not. I thought Damian Alvarez was going to come out of there because it was such a, <laughs> a play that, like, Damian Alvarez, like, was – I've seen that play so many times. Like, you know, a right – you know, whether it was Aquino playing wide or Jurgen Dam or even, you know, before that, Anilinho, a cross that, like, you know – past the you know the box and no one was able to finish and Damian Alvarez was there to either fire off opposite post you know obviously Damian Alvarez is a right-footed player but factor you know being there it just it gave me like deja vu of like a ball towards Damian you know even that goal against Toluca when he got us in the Libertadores you know where the ball just lands to him I don't know it just that moment just reminded me in that play, in that sequence, was just like, oh, man, like that's literally what Damian would be there, you know, to close out some finishing uh, plays. But Factor gets the ball. You know, I texted you, Dennis, immediately, like, you know, and that, that might be the hater that I that I am on Linus. But this I, man texted me, like, 30 seconds after he scored. He almost missed it. <laughs> Dude. T- tell me he I died laughing. It. I mean, it was close. It was It wasn't as close as I thought. Like one replay showed it to where it was like it was going to hit the post, but then there was another angle where it was like, oh, he honestly still had a little bit of like leeway with the net, but yeah, but he had a nice bend to that ball. Oh, he dude, did. Was... He did get, get, you know, it was a great um, uh, placement on his feet to get that ball to get that cause that spin. It was, it was nice. I watched it a couple of times after that, and I was like, man, I was like, I probably shouldn't have hated on him and texted Dennis. <laughs> Can we get more of that? Yeah, more right. Often. I mean, honestly, man, if he's not gonna be the assist assisting player or the goal scoring threat um that he came up being known for, if he has games like yes, uh, Saturday where he plays in that at that wing back position, I think he does well because he's able to cover space. 
he's able to play, you know, and, and have buildup with the midfielders and, and the attacking players, and he can still be a threat moving, moving, moving in the buildup. So I liked him uh, on Saturday. I, you know, we talked about his best performance was in the Leeds Cup against Clásico Regio. I think in the Clásico Regio, they're, they're suited for him. I think he had a great performance. Yeah, he's shown up. He really has. And I also think that in this sort of like five back, three in the back in possession thing that happened on Saturday, I, I think we may have talked about it in our little group thread on Twitter. Fulgencio can't do that. Linus, I think, is like he definitely can. Probably, I don't know if OCL can. I'm not sure. I mean, we haven't seen enough of him to like really know. But like, like this doesn't work with Fulgencio. No disrespect to my man because he's been pretty good lately. But like, he can't defend to save his life. So, and I think it's also like the the tech the the technical aspect of each of them and what they have as uh, as far as attributes. I think that Fulgencio does not have the technical, maybe even the passes. Like I, I feel like Linus has just more precise passes he's a lot smarter with the ball even if he doesn't at all at all times go forward and you know take it take on defenders I think Fulgencio is more of a wild card that he could get by players with a lot more flair but doesn't have the technical ability that Linus has so I think I see where you're headed with it maybe you know I'm not describing it the best but I think that Linus is suited better for that style yeah yeah I agree um, another record though, um, Nahuel Guzman tied Cabrito Arellano for the most Clásico Regio appearances with 31. And, you know, they mentioned it on the broadcast since he arrived in Apertura 2014, has not missed a Clásico at all. And, you know, if everything goes well and he's healthy, when he comes play in Houston next month in October, he's gonna have and surpass Cabrito Arellano for most Clásico Regios played, man. And, that alone is just incredible because, you know, even going back to Gignac's record, like it's just going to be hard to surpass those records, you know, especially the goals and then the appearances. Like I just don't see any other, you know, it's going to take a lot and a long time for somebody to, to, to beat those records that we have with those two monsters on the field. I don't think we're going to surpass those records unless we get someone homegrown that, Turns out to be amazing, like either of them players. That like I, Duenas I really was close did. as far as uh, yeah. appearances. Like Duenas was close uh, for classic Correcto appearances. He had quite a bit. He was homegrown, so that makes sense. Yeah, you need a lifer there. Or unless you have a, a Gignac or Nahued Regen, which I just don't see that happening anytime soon. Like, we, like we're very fortunate to have them as long as we have and for them to perform as high of a level as they have for so long. So absolutely. Um I want to touch on one more thing about the Classico Regio, but I want to open up uh the floor to you guys. Anything else you guys want to add as far as the Classico Regio goes? I mean just keeping on that well, I mean you were right, like you already mentioned it, but the the turning point was like Mesa should have scored that that goal. Like I've seen him score that against us. I've seen him score that multiple times against other teams and like throughout the years. I, I was did kinda... I, I did give you a warning on the previous pod and I said yeah. when's the last time he's done right. something. Right, right. It was I mean now well had a great save, but also Mesa did not finish that well. So we got a, a little bit of, of you know fortune. Overrated. 
Yeah, no, definitely overrated for sure. Uh, but he was also like him and Cortizo were the better of the four attackers that they had. Like, I was very surprised with how Decadito played. Like, he did not play as a winger. He played as like a like a hold the ball up striker, which is like not what he does. And his pressing was horrible. Canales' pressing was horrible. And then once he got schooled by Carioca on that one play in the first half, pff, game over. Like, <laughs> I think that shot all of his I, – genuinely, I think that shot all of his confidence. I don't think Tecatito is going to have the performances that people expect uh, for him to have at Rayados. I think his game has changed completely. And just seeing him in both games, even though he had some flashes in the previous game where um, they beat Leon, right? Or who do they yes. beat? Yeah, they beat Leon. Um and then this game, I mean, I think he's talented. I think that he's a really good player and he's a national team player, but I don't think he's going to be that player that left and was taking on uh, defenders, you know, on the outside and just going by them. No, no way. Um, Vigon, I thought Vigon, like his sub, his cameo was very strong, like just kind of keeping things going, like keeping the machine just intact. Uh, and that, that was really strong. And that's what I was going to, you know, that's why, Josue, you got anything else to add, brother? Uh, just to me, the crowd, like you said, I've seen all those videos on what used to be Twitter and now it's, it's X. But all those videos that the crowd have been sharing, I wish I was there. You know, it was one of those things that it, it was, was a special perfect, night. Yeah, it was a perfect game to be a Jenny and Edgar Lucky. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Facts. Um, you know, Dennis, I was going to touch up on it because, you know, you mentioned we going and, you know, on the previous pod, we talked about the midfield play and how it was going to be very important to shut them out, especially with the momentum that Cortizo had. So obviously to add on to that and close out, you know, the Clásico Regio with um, a special mention. And, you know, I know that we always give him his flowers and, you know, we talk about him. You know, and everybody's a fan of his game. And, you know, during Piojo, he, he went through some uh, some bad form, but it was just the way that we were playing. But God, lead, man. Rafael Carioca has been balling since last Liguilla. The championship game against Chivas, this Clásico Regio. I mean, all season he's had good games. Um, there's just no one like him where in terms of, like, holding on to the ball, dictating the pace of the game. You know, even, you know, anticipating balls. And he's just a super smart player. And so I was going to, you know, add that to as far as what you were saying about the midfield play. And, you know, we talking about it in the previous part, how that was going to be so important. The midfield play was so important with Nando, Bigon, even Cordova. Fierro came in and did his thing as well. He's, he's becoming a more regular player, which is really good to see because he's young. Um, but one of the things that, you know, we always talk about, Nahuel, Pizarro, and Gignac as the leaders, the the referentes, the important players. I mean, when does when do we we gotta give Carioca his flowers? It can't be an underrated or uh you know flower. It's gotta he's gotta be recognized as as elite and part of that conversation with some of these other guys that get talked about all the time. So, just wanted to get your Thoughts on that to close out the Clásico Regio with his performance and, like, you know, how important he is to the club? I have always been biased with Carioca. I've always wanted him on the field no matter what he's going through. I feel like he's he's that player that 
has a lot better days than than not so good days. So he's he's he is one of those elites that that we can count on, and he's proven that time and time again. And I hope he continues to prove it until he does decide to retire because he's not leaving. No, and it's like. You know, whenever I ask people on the pod and like we've had conversation on group threads and even conversations I've had with people in person, it's like everybody's so quick to like put Pizarro there at the center defensive mid, but and the all historic, you know, theater squad. And I know he's the captain, but like, I mean, you got to start both. I mean, I, and I've said it like you, it's kind of hard to get rid of one or put one and not include the other. Because they have the same championships, if I'm not mistaken. Because obviously uh, Pizarro left and didn't win against Rayados to Sevilla, but you know they both play a ton of minutes. They're both super important as far as how we play and how we you know establish ourselves on the field. So I just want to make sure that it doesn't go unnoticed and he's recognized as the elite player. But go ahead, Dennis. Just if we're gonna have an all-time eleven, double pivot, Guido and Rafa. That's your double pivot. Um, in the defensive mid spots but no like just pure class what what he did he's also been unbelievable under Cibaldi like has had really 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 strong performances I remember us like talking and even before I started getting along in the pod like hearing you guys like talk about before like is he even going to be around I know he just signed him an extension can we extend him even more can we add another extension on top of that already like yes please I mean, like, the the dude is just, he gets the game, like, in ways that nobody else in our league can, you know? Like, obviously, there's so many, like, well, not so many, but there are many footballers across the world that you could say are better than Rafa Carioca, sure. But as far as, like, Liga MX goes, as far as, like, North America, CONCACAF, there's not many other midfielders that can do what he does like on a week in week out basis, there's not many midfielders in this region that have the, you know, the vision, the, the passing ability, the, the ability to like control games and to be able to like slow it down when it needs to get slowed down or speed it up the IQ. Nobody else really has that. Like, as far as like, I know, like in this region. And so I think it's fair that we, that we give him his props. I know we were talking about it earlier in our group thread in the context of like, and I don't know if you were going to touch on it yet, but the discussion about the greatest performances, individual performances of Degas players, but like he's had multiple of them, like since he came over in 2017, 16, whenever he got here. So um, he's a legend, man. I'm, I'm hoping to get his uh, name and number on the back of my next Jersey, probably the blue one. I think it will look good on the blue one. Bro. I have the white and gold one. Um, because, you know, I mentioned several times, like I, I'm, I'm a fan of getting players numbers, but if I'm going to get a player on my Jersey, like it has to be a historic player. And, you know, especially with the run that we've had with the championships, I have jerseys obviously with Gignac and like Vargas and, you know, I have Uayala. I'm, I still miss, I still need an Aquino and Jesus Duenas, but Carioca and Pizarro, I was like, Damian, I was like, I need those guys because everything that they've given to the club. And so just want to make sure that people still recognize that, you know, he is not only great on the field, but he's also part of that top three players that we always mention. And 
you know, as far as what Tigres is, right? Nahuel, Gignac, and Pizarro, the leaders. Carioca is up there in his own way. You know, he might not be the vocal leader, even though he gets pretty vocal on the field because, man, there were some times on this past <laughs> Clásico Regio he got into with Nando. And if you notice, check out the first goal. Nando loses the ball um, and Carioca recovers. I think I'm pretty sure or, or Nando recovers. Something happened there where, like, it shouldn't have happened. And Carioca got in there. He was all over Nando. And, and so I think that he's a leader in his own ways and he needs to go recognize even more as we uh, progress into all the playing that he continues to does for the, do for the club. Yeah, I think someone should make a compilation of all the little berrinches that he makes. It's so funny whenever you actually see it. Yeah. He's, he's like a little kid that loses a ball. And <laughs> I love it. Dude, and when he gets like angry and like just throws his hands at especially at the referee he did it a couple of times this past game too he, he's he's incredible to watch man he's a show he's a magician the real magician of Novo Leon. that's right last thing on the classical the memes unbelievable across all platforms just some incredible content put out by many people and then the video of them in the locker room like dancing to that to that song with Tercero with the pizza. Bro, how <laughs> is this man always still relevant? <laughs> and Samir, like, dancing like he's, like, a five-year-old kid. <laughs> had me dying at, like, 1.30 in the morning when that video got put. I don't know why it was up. I just I was just, like, on an adrenaline rush, I guess. But had me dying. It was so good. So shout out the internet for being great on Saturday, I guess. Absolutely. I, I had a blast. I was, uh, I was like, in your own words, I was wilding on, on X. <laughs> oh i know why too yeah um <laughs> i was tailgating all day it was uh pretty nice i was there for uh football oh, um anyways uh let's touch up a little bit on the campeones cup we've been at it for a little while and uh it's probably don't want to bore people with an hour and a half conversation and it's getting pretty late so uh want to touch a little bit on the campeones cup and then obviously we got mazatlan next game on Saturday for uh, Liga MX, but we can touch that up after, you know, the Campeones Cup. So the first thing, you know, we play LAFC uh, who won the MLS Cup. So if you're not familiar with the format of this one game cup, it's the MLS champion versus the Liga MX champions, obviously why it's called Campeones Cup. We're the only Mexican team who has won it. Um, we beat Toronto. Um, back in the day, Duena scored two goals. The I think Duena's the double game. Yeah, and so um, obviously it's some it's a trophy that we're we're seeking to win. We're now in a position um, with all the accolades and all the the growth that we've had as a club. We we're expected to win every every cup and every tournament that we participate in. So, Dennis, first initial thoughts on this Campeones Cup. Obviously, you and I are going to be there. Um, we fly out on Wednesday and uh, pretty excited to be there and, you know, cover cover the game and looking forward to, uh, you know, covering another Tigres game with you. But um, tell me what you're looking forward to, what it means to the club and, you know, what you're expecting as Siboldi with the player selection. Yeah, I think the players, like, recognize the importance of it. I know that in, like, just when you look at it plainly, it is really a glorified friendly. Like, it's not, like this this cup does not grant you like a berth into pocket cap champions league or champions cup whatever it's called now i don't think it's really even like officially recognized it's just like 
it's just a trophy. It's just like a one-off thing, like a thing that is a part of the partnership between Liga MX and MLS. Um, but I, I think the players like still know that like it's an important thing. Like we're we're going to the United States again, and we're playing a good team. Like LAFC is a good team. Um, they're the reigning champs for a reason. They they've had a, a really like nice year and a half, almost two year stretch. I would say. Yeah, probably um, even more. Probably like three years yeah. ever since they came in the league. Well, yes, but like I mean, like being elite, elite, like they mm. have been. Like last year, they were like truly like one of the best MLS sides that have been around like in a while. And then they added Bale midseason and Chiellini and and Buanga like started to blow up uh, last season as well. So um, it it will be by no means an easy game um, when I like first think about it, but compared to other games i'm very very confident and the reason why is because i do not i do not trust uh lafc's coach uh, steve trundolo former u.s men's national team player he is abysmal against mexican teams like he was abysmal in the leon like tie in the uh Concacaf final and his second half coaching performance against rayados in the quarterfinals of the league's cup was horrendous Absolutely horrendous. He 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 doesn't know how to coach against like teams in our league, and I don't understand it. Um, I've seen a lot of discourse from LAFC fans like on Twitter talking about like how frustrated they've been with him, like not just in those games but throughout the whole season with some of the things he does tactically and the squad rotation and things like that. Um, and so I don't think he's necessarily in like you know great waters right now, and I just. I have so much more confidence in Siboldi. I think Siboldi, like, especially now coming off, like, you know, winning the final, winning Campeon de Campeones, like, back in June, like, he's got, he's two for two, you know? Like, he, he knows what it takes to, like, get it done in a in a one-off. Only team that didn't lose to an MLS side in the League's Cup? Tigres. It's us. And so that that's a big factor, too. Um, I know that they rested a lot of their guys, on Saturday, they went and played Philadelphia on Saturday. Zero time, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I, the discourse was very negative because everybody's like, this is such a boring game. Like, why are we resting players for, for Wednesday? And so uh, they did not, like, start Vela or Boanga or a lot of their starters, Ile Sanchez, one of the midfielders. So I would be shocked if they're not in the starting 11 on Wednesday. So they're going to come out strong. Um, the I just, I, you know, like they've proven to me, like in the games that I've seen them play this year, that they are not consistent enough. And especially in the final third, um, that I'm not like super worried about. I, I really think Bolong is good, but like I'm not like super concerned at all. And I think their midfield is not near the level of ours personally, like at all. So, I feel surprisingly really confident about this game and I'm knocking on wood here, hopefully not to jinx anything, but um, yeah, like I I really think we have a a really good shot, especially if we bring out similar, if not the same 11 that we put out on Saturday. So. Josue, do you think that Siboli will hold any of the players, any of the starters uh, or leave them on the bench for this game? Or do you think that uh, we were, Attacking this game with our full strongest eleven. I honestly think we're going all out. He's got 
like you said, two for two. I don't think he wants to lose one, especially how he managed his contract that he's going to do it yearly or whatever. I think he's out to prove that he's winning everything he can, everything he's he participates, he's going to want to take it and prove him, everyone that he can handle the task that he's yeah. got. And I think he he's going to come out and have a, a similar lineup for for this match coming up against L.A. Yeah, I think uh, especially, you know, the only one that's going to be missing next game is, or in the Liga MX, is going to be Angulo on accumulation of yellow cards. So he's definitely going to be starting. I think Noel obviously is going to start. So I, I totally agree with you guys. I think he's going to come out with a strong 11. I think he's going to repeat the lineup of, of Saturday in the Clásico. I think the guys earned it. Um, honestly, I if we had a little bit more form on him, I think this would have been a great game for like Chuy Garza to get some playing time. Um, but I think that, man, I just don't see him playing very much anymore. Um, Fierro could be another surprise in the midfielder as well, um, especially with the amount of playing time that he's gotten um, over the last few games. And he's, yeah, to me, he's, I think he's a candidate uh, for the future. I mean, yeah, he, he has a lot more to prove and obviously to show, but I think in the in the opportunities he's gotten, he's, he's done well and he, he seems composed to handle the midfield and you know he's he seemed comfortable alongside carioca and begone you know the last 20 or 25 minutes or so of the classical regio so um that was probably some of the two guys that were probably would like to have some playing time obviously cello flores is going to get some playing time but it'll be interesting you know to see how lafc obviously comes out and if they do um come out strong like you say dennis because they did held out some of their players in the regular mls match but nonetheless you know, we've talked about it over and over and over with how much uh, Tigres has grown in the brand and, you know, the social media presence of now having English accounts. I think anytime that you step into the United States and you go into against an MLS team, it's Tigres' it's time to shine uh, to gain not only um, momentum as far as the brand growth, but also like make up for I don't want to necessarily compare because I really don't care. Um the comparison to like America and Chivas, but as they step into the United States and they continue to have Andre Pierginac and Nahuel and just the, the, the winning um, brand that they've have accumulated, I think that it will open up more eyes to not only Liga MX that that already happens on its own, but more so specifically Tigres and because of everything that they continue to do. So especially with the Amazonas and, you know, the brand, everything, you know, everything that we've talked about over the last few months. So I think it's super important to like take advantage of these matches. Yeah, I agree. I want to go back to something that Sway just said. Um, I also am, am in full agreement with going all out on, on Wednesday, because I think you can get away with a lot more rotation on what is it? Saturday. Saturday. When we put them on that line. Agreed. Like, I think that's the game where you play Chewy. That's the game where you like really like try to rotate. I think that's a game you can get away with in the league. I know like it's not ideal, but like I'd rather go 110% for, for Wednesday night, try to win the trophy and then give the kids Saturday. And if, 
if things get dire, you bring on you bring on the vets and try to save something out of that. But like I Mazatlan's like it's Mazatlan, Mazapan, like we always call them. You know, like mm-hmm. who cares? You know, like it's fine. Like take advantage of of being in the U.S. of playing Carlos Vela. I know that's all that's a big like marketing thing. Like Guignac versus Vela, like how it was in 2020 in the Concacaf final. So like take advantage of that moment, and then you know. You can you can get away with it on Saturday, I think, with not having as strong of a lineup as you want on Wednesday. So, so it's intended for the club as opposed to the players per se. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think that that's a a solid plan. I think that FC Waldi um, has shown us of the type of leader he is and the coach he is. I think it's something that he could implement as well, um, as far as having a. Strong 11 and then rotating against Masapan. Um, guys, I mean, anything else you guys want to add and touch up on that? I mean, Dennis pretty summed it up pretty easily. I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in the for the game as well. I mean, too, any predictions? Oh, man, I would like, you know, because I'm going to be there, I would like a 2-0 performance with, you know, not nothing too crazy, but just two goals. Dominant performance, shutout. Yeah, I agree. Two zero. Inyak Chilena. <laughs> he had a little uh, scissor kick. Hey, but he, I thought... He's been trying them. He's been trying. One of one of these days is gonna is gonna go in. Yeah. Dennis, predictions for the game? Anything uh, you excited about? Since we're gonna be there. I mean, lots of things to be excited about. I'm excited to be in LA. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um. What did we win the Champions League in 2020 with? Was that 2-0? Two, 2-1. Two, one. Two, two, one. One. That's right, because uh, what's-his-face scored for L.A.? Uh, Rossi, who's not even there anymore. Yep, and um, then Uguayala and then Gignac. And then Gignac, right. Um, obviously, I think we win. I, I feel very confident. I really do. I, I Again, Tarundolo, I'm not. I, I just don't think he's going to do well. I don't, I don't think he's going to learn his lesson. Um. Three zip. This is oh, Gignac's, this is Gignac's, uh one thing that he has not scored in because he did not score in 2018 when we first played this. So I think he gets one for sure. Um, I don't know where the other ones are going to come from, but I do think he gets one. I think he needs to get his uh, Campeones Cup Cha-ching! off the list and get right. one more one more goal closer to 200. So yeah, 193, right? That's where we're at. Three, four. <laughs> He's getting it this semester for sure, dude. Yeah, and if it's you really see, close. if you see all the 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 positions that he's in, like he is, you know, he's he's close to he's about twenty goals from Borghetti for you know most goals with one club. He might not get Cardoso, um, but I mean, he has a chance to be number two for sure. Twenty Chris goals Legend. and to do it in less years than Cardoso too. Yeah, like I mean, significantly less, less years. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm going to, I'll have to share. If you guys don't follow uh, Xavi Sol or Javi Sol from um, Univision 2DN, he puts out a lot of uh, stats and it's incredible what Gignac is chasing. And like just to even be in that conversation with the amount of years that he's been in Mexico, it's incredible. So um, I think you're right. Any, anything that adds to his uh, amount of goals. But yeah, I think we're at 193, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, seven away from 200, which he should get, and he's in 
well-placed position to uh, compete for another scoring title in, in the Liga MX. And doesn't seem to be slowing down like everybody expected. So uh, I think that we're in for a good match. I think the the pace of MLS teams versus us favors us as well because they're a lot more chaotic and we're a lot more order. We provide more order on the field, a lot more intelligence with our, our movements and buildups. So I think that we could have a great night out in L.A. Yeah, it, it'll remind me a lot if we if we do the game plan right. I do think that it'll be similar to how like Miami played LA. Like the reason why like Miami's like I mean that they have Messi, they have Busquets, they have Alba. They're not that great as a team. They're they've gotten better, but they shredded LAFC a few weeks back because of like you said the control of the game, even not even having that much possession, but like having like really smart build up and the having really yeah. like well-timed runs like Jordi Alba's goal was off of a really well-timed run and Messi just like seeing it like way before it even happened if we do stuff like that easy easy sweet well thanks guys everybody thanks for tuning in on another episode of the La U Times podcast excited Dennis we got some, already had some people reach out to me uh about LA uh Theo's fans so hopefully we get to meet them and uh sweet. set them up on the pod for the future um give us a follow give us some feedback and uh, obviously the mic and the invitation is always open to come on for everybody anybody that wants to uh, hop on and we will be back probably later this week with an- another episode after the game and a little f- spoiler alert uh follow my show because uh arnoldo is making an appearance on my show later this week so yeah i'm looking forward to that it's gonna be fun Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for y'all's time, and I hope you guys have a great night. Ciao.